Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to uh, encourage you, to check out my wife's business, Assure Eclipse. That's at lilarose.biz, L-I-L-L-A-Rose.biz, slash Ashura, A-S-H-I-R-A. There she has a wide variety of different hair clips, headbands, and hairpins. Suit a wide variety of different styles and taste, as well as hair types. They're particularly great for longer hair in this uh, warmer weather, as they offer stylish ways to put your hair up. Uh, you can check it out over at lilarose.biz, L-I-L-L-A-Rose.biz, slash Ashira. Now let's get into this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date, May the 3rd, 1949, and the title is The Master's Murder Case. Listen to me, man. Please, listen to me. I don't have to stand here on a street corner and talk to you. Nobody pays me to do it. Okay, then what are you doing? Oh, because, because I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen the same as all of you, and I want you to know the same things I know about Jonathan Graves and his political gang who is trying to steal your votes. They're crooked men, completely crooked. They're in politics for their own personal good, not the good of the community. That's right. Now, be sure you remember that when you go to the polls election day. That's all I've got to say. Thanks for listening. Wait a minute, Masters. I want to talk to you. Oh, you, Graves. What could you have to say to me? That was quite a speech you made. Thank you. You seem to be able to influence people very nicely. Well, I read that book you've heard about. Don't get cute, Masters. You're a very honest, upstanding young fellow, and I'm sure we could use you in our organization. What you mean is you could use me so that I don't fight against your organization. That's your interpretation. Of course, there is an element of logic in it. The truth is that if you keep up these street corner talks, you're going to get a lot of people disliking us. That's the best news I've had all day. So long. Uh, wait a minute, young fellow. Don't be in such a hurry to get away. It might be very valuable to you to stick around and listen a few minutes. I doubt it. The only thing I'd consider valuable would be if you and your crooked colleagues withdrew from the election. Now we can't do that, my boy. You know that. We've got too much at stake. It cost us a lot of money to build up our candidates. We can't just withdraw them just like that. In that case, we've nothing to talk about. Oh, but we have. We have something to talk about that should be very near and dear to you. You. What about me? You have your choice at the moment, Masters. A choice of being a quite wealthy, silent young man. Or? Or a very definitely dead one. (laughs) 
Come on in, Eddie. Water's fine. Well, move over. Give the guy room to die. Okay. You want all the water in this pool for yourself? Hello, boy. Welcome to Poolville, Eddie, old pal. <laughs> a race to the end. No. no, Bill, I'd just as soon splash around a little. Relaxes me better. Whew. A little tightened up from those street corner talks you've been making, huh? No, not particularly. And incidentally, huh? I'm getting results from him. Old man Graves is a little worried about my activities. He heard my speech this morning. Well, don't stop, Eddie. This town will go on the rocks if Graves and his gang get in. No, I know it. I mean, that isn't what's really bothering me. Huh? What is? Do you remember Joe Cates? Yeah, vaguely. Why? I'm worried about Joe. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like you because his girl does. That's nothing, Eddie. Lots of guys have fallen in love with another guy's girl. Come on. Let's make the end of the pool. Huh? I'll give you a couple of yards start. Well, I'll swim there with you, but let's not race. Okay. I'd rather talk. Look, talking and swimming aren't for me. Let's sit up the edge of the pool if you want to gab. Good enough. Okay. What's with this Joe Gates business? Well, he came to see me last night, Bill, and he warned me to stay away from Dorothy or else. You think he was serious? Yes, he certainly sounded it. I don't scare easily, Bill. We wound up in quite a battle. I finally had to clip him. Went that far, eh? Further. In fact, it went so far that I sat down and wrote the district attorney a letter saying that if anything happened to me, they ought to grab Joe Cates right away. Where's the letter? In my desk. I told Joe I was going to write it, but I didn't tell him where I'd put it. Naturally. Well, I hope this thing's only in your imagination, Eddie. I do too, but I'm afraid it's not. Well, want to hop in for a swim now? Getting that thing off my chest kind of made me feel better. All right, now I'll race you to the end of the pool and back, and then we'll get dressed, okay? You got it, Eddie. Here we go. Wow, look at it come down, Eddie. Bad. I guess old Jupe Pluvius didn't think we got wet enough in the pool. (laughs) Probably. Lucky I don't live very far. Wait with me out here and I'll get a cab and drop you off. No, by the time you get a cab, I'll be home in bed. All I have to do is walk to the corner, turn it, and I'm practically on my front doorstep. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. Okay, Eddie, I'll be seeing you. And don't worry about Joe Cates. I'll try not to. Hope you get that cab in a hurry. Thanks. Night. Night. Oh, good evening, officer. Well, Awful night, isn't it? It ain't good. Waiting for a taxi? That's right. My friend is lucky. He lives just around the corner. That's him walking down the street now. Well, he doesn't seem to be too much in a hurry. He's got a lot on his mind. Hey, officer, look. What is it? That fellow with a slouch hat and his coat collar turned up. Came out of a doorway and followed Eddie around the corner. I don't like that. Come on. What the... That was a shot, officer. Hurry. I knew it was a shot, and I'm hurrying as fast as I can. Who was this, Eddie? Eddie Masters. Guy I've known for years. We were swimming together just now, and he was worried about... Here's the corner. Let's see if he had something to worry about. Uh, he sure did. Is that him on the ground over there? Sure is, and that guy bending over him. Grab him, officer. He's starting to run. He ain't going to get very far. Stop you! Stop or I'll shoot! No, 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 don't shoot. Don't. Eddie. Okay, you. Eddie, what happened? I saw you throw your gun away just now. You're coming to headquarters with me. No, no, officer. No, I didn't Eddie, do it. I didn't shoot him. No, huh? Well, you just happened to be out for a stroll in this lovely weather, huh? Eddie, Come on, back with me. No, no, I'll go pick I... up your gun and take you downtown. 
I didn't do it, officer. I swear I didn't. Why'd you run away when you saw us coming around the corner? I was going to chase the guy who did shoot him. That's all I was going to do, honest. Stop your lying. Let's see if your victim's friend knows who you are. How is he, my boy? He's, uh... He's dead, officer. That's what I thought. Recognize this guy I grabbed? Hold your head up, you. Sure, sure I recognize him. He's the guy I saw sneaking around the corner after Eddie. He's the fellow Eddie was afraid would kill him, and he did. He's Joe Cates. Hello, Miss Morgan. Oh, Mr. Vance, please come in. Thank you. Is Mr. Markham in? Oh, he's in his private office. He's been trying to reach you. Yes, I know. I phoned my office and they gave me the message. Is that you, Vance? That's right, Markham. Please come in here, will you, Vance? Well, the command of the district attorney permits no pleasantries between you and me, Miss Morgan. Excuse me. Of course. Hello, Markham. How are you, Vance? Fine. Fine, thank you. And you? I'm not sure. Uh, sit down, won't you, Vance? Yes, thanks. I have something on my mind, something important. Of course. Does it have anything to do with the trial you're conducting? Everything. Vance, I left that courtroom today knowing definitely I can get a conviction in the state's case against Joe Cates. And that bothers you? Yes. Every bit of evidence points to Cates being the killer. Yet when we adjourn today, for the first time in my life, I was sorry that I'm the district attorney. Well, this sounds serious, Markham. Tell me about it. I'll tell you as much as I know. Joe Cates was picked up near the spot where Edward Masters was murdered, and we rushed the case to trial, as you know. Tell me the things I don't know, Markham. Perhaps that would be easier. All right. A witness, Bill Miller, saw this Joe Cates follow the victim around the corner. Then Miller and a policeman heard a shot and found Cates bending over Masters' body. The newspapers say Cates threw away his gun and started to run, but the policeman overtook and overpowered him. That's the way it happened, isn't it, Markham? Yes, and despite a letter in which Masters wrote he feared Cates... I'll tell you something, Vance. Cates denies shooting Masters, and I don't entirely disbelieve him. No? No, despite this letter the victim wrote naming Cates as the man who had threatened him. Seems there's rather a complete case against Mr. Cates, but you say you don't entirely disbelieve Cates' claim that he didn't kill Masters. Why? I don't know why. Call it a sixth sense, call it anything you like, but I don't think he did it. Everything points to him, and I'm sure I'll get a conviction when the case goes to the jury. But I don't believe he did it. Well, perhaps he didn't. Perhaps someone else did murder Mr. Masters. He had political enemies, I believe. Yes, but Vance, it's the ballistics report on the gun that the police officer picked up that proved our conclusive evidence against Cates. The officer saw him throw it away. And it's the murder gun, all right. A pearl-handled automatic, forty-five. I know why you tried to reach me. As the district attorney, there isn't anything you can do to prevent Joe Cates from being convicted. But as a man, I'm sure he didn't murder Masters. And tomorrow I've got to put him on the stand and convince the jury that he's guilty. I know how you feel. Let me see. There are three reasons why Cates is believed guilty. The witness who saw him trail Masters around the corner. The letter written by Masters and indicting Cates. And Cates' gun, which the officer saw him throw away, and which has been proved to be the murder weapon. That's right. Combined, they form a reputable testimony against Cates. But you're not too happy about the certain proof you have that Cates is a murderer. Definitely not. Only there isn't anything I can do about it. I don't like to see you unhappy, Markham. Maybe there's something I can do about it. I'll be at the trial tomorrow. Uh, 
Quiet, quiet in the courtroom, please. Continue with your interrogation of the witness, Mr. Defense Attorney. Thank you, Your Honor. First, I'd like him to identify this photograph. Excuse me. May I? Pardon me, please. I've saved this seat for you, Mr. Vance, here. Thank you, Miss Morgan. Well, how is Mr. Markham doing? Wonderfully. He can't miss getting a conviction. The defense attorney is questioning the main witness now, but it won't mean a thing. Listen. Now, the photograph you just looked at, Mr. Miller, shows the scene of the crime. Blake and Daggett Street. And includes the spot where you were standing. Is that correct? That's right. Now, you say you saw a figure whom you identified as Joe Cates turning the corner after the victim, Mr. Masters, had passed. That's right. Do you mean to say that you could definitely identify a figure in a pouring rain late at night, a figure with his coat collar up and his hat pulled down at so great a distance? Yes, I do. I'm positive it was Joe Cates. The streetlights were bright enough for me to see him. I even knew what color suit he was wearing under his coat. I could see the color of his trousers. That's how bright it was. That's all. Your witness, Mr. Markham. No questions. See what I mean, Mr. Vance? Mr. Markham has a cinch in his case. So it appears. Your Honor, I wish to call back upon the stand my client, Mr. Gates. Very well. Mr. Gates, please. Will you take the stand? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, now what? Mr. Gates. The state declares that a police officer seized you a short distance from where Mr. Masters' body was found lying on the ground. Well? A witness, Mr. Miller, says he saw you turn the corner shortly after Mr. Masters had passed. That's right, I did turn the corner. I was following Masters to protect him. From what? I knew he was in danger. I knew I'd be blamed. I was following him to see that nothing happened to him. Mr. Cates, a police officer says he saw you throw your gun away. Is that true? Yes, I did throw my gun away. I didn't want to be caught with it on me. The state says that gun the officer picked up, the one you threw away, killed Edward Masters. I know, I know. I've heard it a dozen times, only I can't help what the state says. All I know is I didn't do it. This is District Attorney Markham. The Masters murder case began with the finding of Edward Masters' body, with Joe Cates discovered bending over the body seconds later. Cates had thrown away his gun when the officer approached, and later it was found to be the murder weapon. Cates is on trial, and I'm prosecuting him, but I have a strong feeling that despite the evidence, he is not the killer. Because of my misgivings... Milo Vance is in the courtroom as the trial continues with the defense attorney questioning the prisoner. Mr. Cates, I want you to tell the court. Now, you admit throwing your gun away when the policeman approached. Tell the court, where did you get that gun? Down at Henry's pawn shop. I paid $20 for it. How many times had you fired that gun, Mr. Cates? I never fired it. Never in my life. Quiet. Quiet in the court. Thank you, Your Honor. You never fired it? No, I tell you, never. Once when I was cleaning it at my place right after I got it, it went off accidentally, but I never fired it at anybody. The police established definitely that it was the gun you threw away that fired the shot that killed Mr. Masters. Now, how do you explain that? I'll tell you how. I'm being framed, that's how. I I never fired that gun. 
I never aimed it at anybody, and I never murdered Edward Masters, but it, it doesn't look to me like anybody's going to believe that. Well, this is Henry's pawn shop, Vance. Do I go in with you? No, Markham, please. I want to do this alone, if you don't mind. Wait for me, will you? Of course. After the trial this afternoon, I don't mind being alone, believe me. The trial isn't over yet, Markham. Tomorrow's another day. And by tomorrow, we may have some hope for Kate's. I hope so, Vance. I won't be long. Yes? Yes? What can I do for you, sir? I'm not sure. Can anyone hear us? There's no one here, sir. Nobody but the two of us. What is it you want? A gun. I'm sorry, sir. Guns do not sell. If you have something to pawn, I'll gladly look at it. If you wish to purchase something, I'll gladly sell it. Except guns. Guns I do not sell. I've got a lot of money. Money wouldn't help me if I went to jail. A lot of money, you say? That's what I said. What kind of a gun? How much do you want for a forty-five automatic? Pearl-handled. With a pearl handle, it'll cost you a hundred dollars. Without, it's less. Mm, how much less? I have a foreign pistol for twenty dollars. I have them for any price over that. Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. I'll be back. When they say they'll be back, they never come back. Plenty of money, huh? Good day, sir. Well, Vance, what'd you find out? Nothing definite, Markham but something that insists that I continue on this case. I don't know how I'm going to prove it at the moment, but I think that I can blast the most incriminating evidence against Joe Cates, possession of the murder gun. Yes, Miss Burke? There's a Mr. Akins to see you, sir. Who? Mr. Akins? I don't know any Mr. Akins. You sure he wants to see me? He said he wanted to see you, Mr. Graves. He asked if you were the political leader, and I told him yes, and then he said he had something very private and personal to discuss with you. What could that be? I'm sure I don't know, sir. Well, send him in. Then if you like, you can leave. Well, thanks, Mr. Graves. Private and personal. What could that be? Mr. Graves. Come in, Mr. Reagan. What can I do for you? I rather think it's something you can do for yourself. Yes, Mr. Graves, that's exactly what I'd rather think. And what does that mean? Mr. Graves, I live at the corner of Blake and Daggett Street, uh, above the drugstore. Well? Remember that rainy night when that fellow, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, yes, Eddie Masters was shot. Yes, what about it? Well, I was standing at the window looking out. I, I like to look out when it rains. I think streets are... Prettiest when it's raining. Forget the streets. What's on your mind? Well, my windows face the corner where Masters was shot. And I saw who shot him. I'd rather think it was you, Mr. Graves. I've seen your pictures in the papers often. <laughs> yes, I, I'd rather think it was you. Oh, you do, huh? Oh, yes. I was going to mention it to my wife, but I said to myself, no, I said, I'm going to see Mr. Graves himself. I'm sure he'll give me something for not saying anything about this to anybody. You, you see, I was rather sure you would. You were. You were sure you were going to get something to keep your mouth closed. I was rather certain of it. You're going to get something to keep it closed, all right. Keep it closed for good. Oh, no. Oh, please. 
this, Markham, will prove something to us or nothing. But it must be done. Granted, it must be, if you say so. But what is it, Vance? This is Joe Kate's apartment. He told the court from the witness stand that he had a gun and had fired a bullet from it accidentally the other day. Yes. The bullet apparently entered into the woodwork about here. I'm getting it out. And what do you want with that bullet, Vance? Support of a theory of mine, for one thing, Markham. Should we answer that, Vance? Why not? It's for you. For me? <laughs> Phone rings in Joe Kate's apartment and you know it's for me. Vance, how is that possible? Relatively simple. It can't be for Kate's. Everybody knows he's in jail. And I did call your office and leave word you'd be here. Well, it could also be a wrong number. Don't forget that. <laughs> Hello? Mr. Markham, Riley. Riley? Vance was right again. Right? Uh, nothing, Riley, nothing. Uh, what is it? There's been another murder, Mr. Markham. Quiet fellow named Aikens, George Aikens. Yes? Lived at the corner of Blake and Daggett Street. We picked his body out of a lot. Uh-huh. Shot through the head. Now, where are you calling from? The morgue. Aikens' widow just identified the body. Thought I'd let you know. Well, I'm glad you did. Thanks, Riley. Bye. Well, Vance, just to make matters worse, there's been another murder. A fellow named Aikens lived at the corner of Blake and Daggett Streets. Shot through the head. Well, rather unfortunate for Mr. Aikens. But it doesn't make matters worse for us. Why not? It's just another murder the police will have to solve. Perhaps. Where did the murder of Edward Masters take place, Markham? At the corner of Blake and Daggett. Vance. You see what I mean, Markham? I think perhaps our Mr. Aikens might have seen the Masters' murder, tried to shake down, and got himself killed for his efforts. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Well, it can't be coincidence. That's the way I feel about it, too. Now, Markham, there's something I want you to do for me. I want to be present when the bullet taken from Aikens is compared with this bullet I just took out of the wall in Kate's apartment. All right, Vance, but why? Because the answer to that question is the answer to the master's murder, Markham. Okay, Mr. Vance, I've looked. No doubt about it. The two bullets are identical. Thanks, Riley. Satisfied, Markham? I'm completely satisfied that the bullet we took out of the wall in Kate's apartment came from the same gun as the bullet that killed Aikens. But what does that prove? Everything. Everything, to my satisfaction. I'm convinced now that Kate's did not kill Masters. Satisfied beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I understand that Masters was particularly active against a political organization trying to get into power. That's right. He made street corner speeches against the organization every day. The head of that party is a Mr. Jonathan Graves, I believe. Yes. Get him in your office, Markham. I'm going to see Aiken's widow. With half a break, we'll clear up this case in an hour. I'm a busy man, Markham, a very busy man. What's the idea of getting me down here to your office? Well, to tell you the truth, Mr. Graves, it's Philo Vance's idea. Vance? Well, if it's his idea, where is he? On the way here, I hope. He went to see the widow of that fellow Aiken's, the one whose body the police picked up a little while ago. What's that got to do with me? I'm afraid Vance will have to tell you that when he gets... I'm here to tell Mr. Graves right now. Thank you, Markham, for getting him here. If you're Vance, don't thank him for getting me here. Thank me for coming. My thanks to both of you. Mr. Graves, I've just come from seeing the widow of George Aikens. So Markham was telling me. She told me a rather strange thing. She said that her husband was going to see you just before he was shot. Maybe he was. He never got to my office, though. That's still stranger. The young lady in your office told me that she showed Aikens in to see you. That's the reason I was delayed, Markham. I saw both Mrs. Aikens and Mr. Graves' office assistant. Okay, so he was in to see me. What about it? He left. I never saw him again. Mr. Graves, you made a terrible error, leaving your gun in your desk drawer. You don't trick me, Vance. I didn't leave it in any drawer. I've got it with me right here. Thank you. I'll just take it if you don't mind. Come now, Mr. Graves. You have no reason for not giving it to me, have you? No. No, of course I haven't. I won't do it. I won't give it to you. Oh, yes, you will. I'm taking it for... 
Miss, stop it, you be... There, you've got it now. What do you want it for? For a wonderful reason, Mr. Graves. It's undoubtedly the gun that killed Mr. Akins, for one thing. You think my gun killed Akins? No, but this is not your gun. I think your gun killed Edward Masters. It was Joe Kate's gun that killed Akins. But you fired both guns, Mr. Graves. Markham, when Kate's trial is resumed tomorrow, ask that the charge against him be dismissed and that Mr. Graves be held for Masters' murder. Vance, would you explain to me about the murder gun? That's what's been bothering me. It will bother you no longer, Markham. The gun that killed Masters was a pearl-handled automatic, right? That's right. Kate's gun, the one that he bought from the pawnbroker, was a foreign pistol. Kate's told me he paid $20 for his gun. You can't buy a pearl-handled automatic for $20. Oh, I see now. The police officer picked up the murder gun, all right, but it wasn't the gun Kate's threw away. That the murderer himself came back to find after the crowd had dispersed. Uh, Give me that slowly, will you, Vance? Certainly. Kate's threw his gun away when the policeman arrived. Yes. The murderer, Graves, saw him do it. Uh Uh-huh. Graves had previously thrown his gun away when he was running with Kate's after him. Oh, I see now. Graves came back to pick up Kate's gun and keep it. Keep it until he had to use it to kill Mr. Akins. Uh Uh-huh. Apparently, my idea as to why Akins was killed was correct. He saw Graves kill Masters. I don't see why Graves didn't get rid of Kate's gun after he picked it up. No reason for him to, Markham. That gun hadn't killed anyone until he himself used it on Akins. Then he didn't dare get rid of it because if it were ever proven that it was Kate's gun, Kate's would be absolved of the murder of Masters and the real murderer sought. (laughs) This has really been a beauty, hasn't it, Vance? Every possible element seemed to point to Kate's as Masters' killer. But you, you found a way of breaking all of them down. Well, Markham, I was glad to do it for a number of reasons. One of them is that all this publicity after Graves' indictment will mean that his crooked political machine will be at an end. (laughs) That's quite a coincidence, Vance. Yes, the end of the machine and, of course, the end of the Masters' murder case. Welcome back. Okay. You know, there 
is a thought that goes into some golden age programs where a private detective is called in because an official believes the person being charged with the crime is actually innocent. This can work with a policeman. I can think of an example in an episode of the TV series Lockup where Lieutenant Weston had arrested a man but began to doubt his guilt, and he turned to Herb Maris, whose interference he usually kind of resented, uh, particularly early on in that uh, TV series. That makes sense because he's a policeman, and he gathers evidence, arrests suspects, but ultimate charging authority is not in his hands. So if he begins to have doubts, he kind of is stuck, so it makes sense that he would go to uh, an outsider, at least in theory. There are probably some ethical problems in real life. The problem here with Markham is he is the district attorney, and he has the authority to stop a prosecution. He can even ask for a continuance, uh, you know, without dropping charges. There's an idea that, you know, uh, you if you have a certain amount of evidence, no matter how you might feel about the veracity of the evidence or what concerns you might see with it, uh, in many programs, it's the idea that you just have to charge them. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't think this is real. There's something telling me that this is wrong, but I just have to charge you. I don't have any other choice. Now, obviously, you don't want to face voters, you know, having refused to prosecute a bunch of cases based on intuition. You can take a day or so to get things right. Uh, the thing with the way that this is explained is it kind of makes Markham look a bit rubbish at his job. It's like, I pushed through, like, expedited prosecution. I rammed these charges through. And then, just like a couple of days before we're about to get him convicted, I just kind of had a thought, Vance. Did he actually do it? I don't know. Of course, I don't think Markham is as bad as his job as the defense attorney, who put his client on the stand to give the type of testimony we heard in the radio program, and apparently decided, let's go ahead and call this guy twice. You know, it makes you wonder how he got hired as a defense attorney. I imagine an interview where the defendant said, so how many of your clients on trial capital cases ended up dying. And the attorney responds, well, everybody ends up dying. And the defendant's like, oh, you know, you're right. Okay, I guess good enough, you're hired. So the defendant probably could have done a better job picking an attorney. And of course, the actual murderer could have been smarter than to hold on to the defendant's gun for funsies. And of course, the arresting officer could have uh, done a better search. Because from what I understand, at least at the end, and it was a little confusing, it sounded like the defendant dropped his gun in the same area where the murderer dropped his. And the police officer only found one of gun. So if he'd done a little bit more of a thorough search, a very different outcome. And this, I think, is the big thing you have to realize about Philo Vance, is I think he is like the 
only competent person in the entire city in his world. And that calls to mind the old saying that in the country of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. It's the same thing for the only competent man in New York City. Everyone else is, uh, to one degree or another, a complete incompetent. And the degree to which anyone other than Philo Vance has any accolades is kind of just like degrees of incompetence. So that's my new theory for the Philo Vance universe. We will see how it holds up over time. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have a uh, message from Sebastian. Sebastian writes, Congrats on the kid. Would you introduce him to the old radio shows? Well, thanks so much for the question, Sebastian. And I definitely plan on introducing him to Golden Age radio program. Obviously, I I think, you know, at this point, he is around three months old. Oh, in theory, I could pretty much listen to any program around him, you know, but longer term. I want to figure out something that would be, you know, good for kids and wouldn't drive the adults uh, crazy. So I'm still trying to figure some of that out in terms of what I'll, you know, introduce him to. Hopefully we can have, you know, fun relationship and bonding around that, as so many folks who have emailed in have. Though I definitely don't want to anyway force the issue as he gets older, because, you know, he'll develop into his own person and have his own interests. But thanks so much for the question. All right, well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Sergey, Patreon supporter since May of 2020, currently supporting the program at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Well, that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you're downloading it from. That will do it for today. Join us back here next week for another episode of Philo Vance, but coming up tomorrow, we check in with yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Trim little fishing boat. A full moon was out over the Pacific, and the J-Bell rocked gently with the motion of the tide. The landing was deserted except for a big gray cat that scurried onto one of the other boats as I walked past. I stood looking at the J-Bell for a minute, listening to the sounds of the ocean. Then I climbed aboard. The hatch leading below to the cabin was unlocked, so I opened it and went down the short ladder. The moonlight sifted in through the starboard porthole, but the rest of the cabin was in pitch darkness. I felt around for some kind of light. Stay right where you are. Huh? Don't move. I got a gun. Okay. I can see you. If you move a finger, I'll kill you. Okay, okay. I'm not moving. Well, what happens? Do we stay here all night? No. Better take a look at you. I don't want to make a mistake. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Light switch is right behind you to your left. But keep facing me. Just reach back. I thought so. You thought so what? Baker sent you. Baker? You're not a cop. I know the cops in town. You must be Dave Geller. You know I'm Geller. Look, my name is Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. Sure. I'll show you my credentials. Keep your hands at your sides. I'm telling you the truth. I work for the Universal Bonding and Indemnity. Your ex-partner was insured with us. 
I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.